Hi, I'm telling you I'm not going to hurt you and then immediately beating you over the head with a broom, Taylor. And is that a chicken? Yummy. And this is the final Girl Files. This week, as our triumphant return to the world of podcasting, we watched 1974's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, directed by Toby Hooper, starring Marilyn Burns, Gunnar Hansen, Paul A. Partain, Edwin Neal, and Jim Sido. Is that how you say it? Sido? I think I think it's Sido. Probably one of the fucking nastiest movies to exist. And we are not here to discuss it alone. Guest. Yes, I am Jace, the unhinged hitchhiker they've allowed on their podcast. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Honestly, uh, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. That's the yeah, vibe. That's yeah. That's about uh, accurate. This is uh for those who have uh, listen to our podcast before and know the lore, the deep sibling lore. This is my oh, brother, Jace, who I've seen lore. many a horror film with. So, Jace, usually the first thing we do on this podcast is we talk about, like, sort of our memories with this movie, like, first time watching it, anything significant. So uh, we'll let you we'll let you go first with that one. Oh, sure. Um, the most significant memory I have with this movie uh, isn't even the first time I watched it, which I can't even remember. Uh, it must have been ages ago, like middle school or something. Probably during uh, that era where you were like pirating horror movies because yes, mom wouldn't let us watch them. Where I was unable to uh, openly watch uh, horror movies. But uh, no, my most significant memory with this movie is that it is the movie uh, through which I met slash connected with one of my best friends. It's not really too funny a story i guess but uh it doesn't have to be funny just any significant memories but yeah essentially i saw a post by this friend on tumblr at the time jesus fucking oh Christ. god <laughs> uh, it, so it was a while this was like four years ago uh, uh, yeah, I saw the post, uh, having to do something with like horror movies or, or this movie or something. I can't remember the specifics. And I asked him, um, if he'd seen it, if he likes the movie, because it's even then it was one of my favorite movies. Uh, he said no. And I was just like, let's just watch it together. Cause we had been, uh, in the same general friend circle, uh, prior. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we watched the movie, uh, Loved it, and we spent, like, a solid year afterwards just fucking slamming horror movies and watching them <laughs> over and over, like, at, like, late at night. Like, for me, it was, like, 3 a.m. Oh, that's uh, vibes. Yeah, it was it was pure vibes. Uh, we have since watched uh, so many fucking movies, um, including classics uh, such as the Leprechaun series of films mm-hmm. uh, in its entirety. And they films. Uh, their films, of which I am now a scholar. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, we almost I, had you on for a Leprechaun episode. That's the thing. I really was surprised that this was the movie that you wanted to come on for because I was sitting here thinking, like, oh, Jace is definitely going to want to do Leprechaun. I I would love to be back to do Leprechaun. We would love to have <laughs> you back to do Leprechaun. <laughs> but I think my introduction to the world shouldn't be Leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh. But yeah, this this is um, probably my favorite horror movie. It is just a perfect slasher. It's probably the best slasher, at least 
of those that I have seen, and I have seen quite a few. Um, yeah, Jace likes slashers the same way that I like like paranormal ghost movies. Yes, this is completely true. <laughs> this this it really is a great movie. It just it's so good. It fucking slaps. Jimmy, do you have any significant memories with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? So it's weird. I also can't remember the first time I saw this movie. It's just like. I know there had to have been a first time that I saw it, because this wasn't the first time I'd ever seen it, obviously. But I just, for the fucking life of me, cannot remember where I first saw it. It's just one of those movies that's always been there. Yeah, it's just Mm. always kind of been there. I I imagine it must have been during the part of my life where I was starting to get into horror and was like, oh yeah, I should probably watch like these, you know, classic staples of the horror genre to understand the you know the the beats of the genre and such um but i i honest to god i cannot remember the first time i watched this movie and it's a little scary because i can usually i usually associate a lot of memories with like the first time i watch a movie like i can usually remember so i'm not sure what happened here (laughs) however um (laughs) that's so hurts, and i feel like that definitely fits the vibes of this movie it does it it very much does that neither of you can remember the first time you watched it you were just like no i've always just had the texas chainsaw massacre in my life i have a very weirdly specific memory of being at like my aunt's house and seeing a vhs copy not of this movie but of the, I think, 2003 remake movie. Ooh. Oh my god. <laughs> Which I actually like. I think is actually fairly well done. Oddly enough. Mm. I have no opinions on it. I've never seen it. Um, the only Texas Chainsaw movies that I've seen are this one and Texas Chainsaw 2. Those are the only ones you really need to see. That's that's the vibe that I get. Although I, I want to see the one that I've heard has like an Illuminati subplot or something. You, you, you want to watch... Uh, Texas Chainsaw 4. What is it called? It's like Next. It, no, it's Texas Chainsaw The Next Generation. They call yeah. it that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, no, the, like, I just remember. Okay, speaking of memories with Texas Chainsaw, this is a funny mm. one. Oh, God. Is this the one that I think it is? Yes, it's because me, Jemmy, and Elle, like, I, I don't even remember. We were just, like, on a call together, the three of us, and we ended up, like, on the Wikipedia page for Texas Chainsaw The Next Generation, just reading the plot summary, and the three of us could not stop fucking laughing. We were, like, losing our shit. (laughs) And just, like, the Wikipedia plot summary of Texas Chainsaw 4, we were just screaming, like, why is Matthew McConaughey here? Mm -hmm. Why is there a subplot about the Illuminati? Like, (laughs) Renee Zellweger is in this movie? Why? Like... Yes, it's it has like a cast. It's insane. <laughs> There's like people in it. Like, okay, but we're not talking about that movie. No, yes. not not yet. One day we will. <laughs> God. I think it actually might have been right after we finished recording our episode on Ravenous. It it, it really might have been. Oh. Um But anyway. Uh but yes, I'm... we're actually talking about a good film. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I my, my significant memories with Texas Chainsaw because unlike you two I can remember very vividly the first time that I saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it was when I think I was like 13 or so which is like probably the best age to watch this movie is like 13 or so yeah <laughs> and for some unknown reason my father decided this is going to this is a great movie to watch with my daughter <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 
in, in in his defense, I don't think that it was like he like sought it out. I think he was just like flipping channels on the TV and it happened to be on like or like just starting. It had to be just starting because I remember the opening crawl so vividly. Mm-hmm. Because I saw the opening crawl at age 13 and immediately said, no, not for me. <laughs> and I got I, up and left. <laughs> I, I don't even blame you. This I don't either. This starts out strong. Uh, <laughs> but my sister did stay and watch it. So if I was 13, she had to be 11. <laughs> autumn! That is, is, you know what? That actually explains a lot about Autumn, actually. <laughs> yeah, which is hilarious. And I just remember periodically, because this was like the point in my life when I was like, horror movie curious you know mm-hmm. we're all so familiar. I was like I I like left I like went in my bedroom and then I would like every like five or ten minutes I think like come out into the kitchen ostensibly to get some water or to like get a snack or something but like I would come out just because I really wanted to see what was going on with the movie you were microdosing. I no, that's the thing. So my first experience with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like I saw about thirty seconds of the movie every ten minutes. <laughs> that doesn't sound just, like I, again, like, like that kind of feels like the best way to watch this movie because you this movie really does run on rancid vibes and rancid yes. vibes only. There is not a plot in sight. <laughs> There is the barest thread of a plot. Yeah, there, there's yeah. like a like semblance of a plot. It, it, the plot is mostly there to prop up just like showing you the most horrific shit you've ever seen in your life, which is great. Um, but yeah, that, that was my first experience with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like curiously coming back into the living room and like standing there for like a minute and then leaving again because it scared me. <laughs> This uh, coincides quite well with one of my first notes on this movie, and it's that this movie immediately opens and feels like something we shouldn't be seeing. It's yes. it's nightmarish. The the thing that I, I, I remember about this movie, actually, um, in terms of hearing about it when I was younger, was there was still kind of that rumor, and there still kind of is, to my knowledge, that rumor that it actually happened, you know? Yeah, they did... They, <laughs> My note right before this actually was Texas Chainsaw did Blair Witch before Blair Witch. Yes. (laughs) Which isn't technically true because Blair Witch had, like, the internet and shit to, like, you know, uh, propagate the idea that its story had really happened. But also... Yeah, Blair Witch even, they they made, like, a fake documentary about the, like, urban legend in the movie, which, Mm -hmm. like, added some credence also to it. Yeah, but still, like, I don't know. I I totally understand, like, Baby Taylor being like, nope, not for me. Yeah, I I literally crawl, the opening crawl and being like, no, I'm done. Bye. Bye, guys. (laughs) I gotta go. I mean, the opening, just like, everything about the movie is established in the opening. The tone is just bleak and gritty and violent uh, without, in the movie, all that much violence compared to... Mm. Uh, your general, or what would be the slasher genre later. Mm. Um, but just with, like, tone, and with imagery, and all that kind of shit, they, they make you feel like it's an incredibly violent movie. When it is violent, but it's mm-hmm. not, like, splatter. Yeah, very famously, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, despite its name and its reputation, does not have a lot of gore in it. But I understand the people who think it does, especially with that opening shot of, like, the fucking 
decaying bodies mm, propped up, oh. like fucking putrefying in the Texas sun. Like, I understand people who are like, yeah, this is the bloodiest movie I've ever seen, despite the fact that it's not actually all that bloody. One thing that I think is very funny is that Toby Hooper, there, there was at one point more gore in this movie. There was never a lot of it. But at one point, there was more. And Toby Hooper cut a lot of it because he was shooting for a PG rating. Oh, my God. And oh my the, God. MPAA, the MPAA literally, like, watched the movie and were like, fuck, like, no. Like, <laughs> like no. This is, like, the more intense version of the fact that, like, The Conjuring got an R rating despite not having a lot of, like, blood or gore or violence or anything in it. Just on vibes alone. Yeah, so, like, the MPAA were, like, Toby Hooper was, like, PG, and the MPAA was, like, absolutely fucking not, dude. No. What are you you talking about? You're going to have to cut the film PG rating. (laughs) Yeah, like, and, like, like, you said, like, nothing... That bad really happens on screen, but it, it it feels like a rated R movie just because it is so intense. It's terrifying. Yeah, I mean, compare this to like basically any slasher from the eighties, and they're gonna have like you're gonna get way more blood and mm-hmm. guts and all that shit in any of those. This is so much you... scarier to me than any of those. Exactly. Though. Exactly. I was mm-hmm. going to say, but you won't get even half the tone in like you're in like a maniac cop no. or something. Like you mm-hmm. can uh, which see, is still like, a movie that like, I like. I've watched like eighties movies where like just it's just goop on screen, like from minute one to minute ninety. And I mean we reviewed Brain Dead. Yeah. And this huh. to me is so much scarier than Brain Dead. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, granted, Brain Dead is very much like a horror comedy, but I, I think this movie, um, and, and this struck me while I was watching it most recently for the podcast, if you drop this movie in theaters today, it'd be fine. People people would react to it the same way that they did in the 70s. I, I, completely I actually agree. believe that. For sure. I, I, this movie is weirdly timeless. It only dates itself in the impeccable 70s fashion, really. Mm. Oh um, boy. The the costumes in this movie are... Yeah. They're, they're okay, a lot. But like, okay. <laughs> I will say, 70s fashion is coming back now in a really big way. Oh, shit. That is true. So, like, that a lot true, of the actually. costumes in this movie would not look out of place in, like, an Urban Outfitters. <laughs> oh, God, you're so right. You know what I mean? Oh, that, no. That'd be kind of funny to, to walk into an Urban Outfitters and see, like, as seen in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> outfit of the girl who got put on the hook. <laughs> Her I, I really cute though. I love her. I love her little like um the whole backless kind of moment going on. Yeah. I really just want to uh just to pivot really quick. I think we need to acknowledge the fact that it is heavily implied that the events of this movie occur because Saturn is in retrograde. <laughs> that's another thing about this movie that's timeless is that bitches be loving astrology. It's true. True. No, this movie has a lot of, um... It's just that if this movie was made today, Pam would be on the CoStar app on her phone. And not (laughs) reading from an astrology book. True. But but yeah, this movie has a lot of weird... Especially early on. It has Mm -hmm. a lot of weird, like, occult slash mysticism kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, you see... The Hitchhiker, better known as Nubbins. Uh, yeah, can we just all agree that we're going to call the Sawyer family by the names that they're given in Texas Chainsaw 2? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Motherfucker, I refuse to call Drayton Sawyer the cook. I won't do it. 
The cook. I will not you know, honestly, call him I, that. His name is Drayton Sawyer. Like I sorry. can't imagine just calling him the cook at this point. Like I can even imagine calling Nubbins the hitchhiker. But Drayton's Drayton, man. Drayton's Drayton. And for the record, Bubba is Bubba. Yeah. Damn, that that's a hot take. I don't know about that one. <laughs> no, I'm almost I with listen, you. I know that there have been more recent Texas Chainsaw movies, like Texas Chainsaw 3D, I think started it where they, they're calling him Jed. I Oh, I, sure. I will oh not. no, okay, I, no, I I'm with you. No, I, I Texas Chainsaw 3D is like a terrible nightmare movie. I will um, not ascribe to the to to the 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 attempts to rename Leatherface Jedediah. I, I won't do it. His name is Bubba, and that's that's that on that. We are. I'm, I'm totally with you. We are um, Bubba Leatherface truthers on this. Podcast. We are Bubba Leatherface truthers. <laughs> we are. Yes. We, we are. We are each a Bubba head in our own way. <laughs> Sorry, oh, I interrupted. Go on my screen about Leatherface's real name. Please, please do go on. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. I um, I was just pointing out. There's a lot of like weird occult shit in the early goings of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Nubbins performs some kind of bizarre ritual after he gets kicked out of the van. Uh, that symbol on the car, mm. the astrology stuff. I really don't know what to do with it all, but it's there in the film. See, I mean, you I could not think of any of that as being like occult shit until you just said that. You could also argue that like Nubbins fucking around with the bodies in the uh, graveyard has like sort of a ritualistic bend to mm. it in the way he like displays them kind of totem-esque yeah actually i i hadn't even thought of that i I don't really know what to do with that because it's there in the movie right like the astrology Mm -hmm. thing is a factor there's definitely some kind of weird ritualistic vibe particularly to nubbins but well you see this is how it just ties all back to the illuminati (laughs) of course yeah (laughs) it's all it's all to set up the next generation yeah exactly Really, this is a film that uh, only exists to serve that one. It's true. Uh, to prop up McConaughey's early career. <laughs> yes. It reminds me of how Jennifer Aniston's in Leprechaun. Oh, God, that's right. No, yeah, I think it just sort of adds this... It, it almost adds to the disorienting feeling mm-hmm. of the film, where you're kind of like, what the fuck is going on, and you never quite find out. Yeah, it, it's very surreal. Mm-hmm. Again, it's especially in the early goings and they're kind of just setting up even the normal quote-unquote people in this movie when they head to that graveyard it's like mm-hmm. something's fucking up with these people like yeah the fucking drunk guy in the cemetery who's like yeah. screaming at the sky speaking of the characters in this movie i want to talk about how franklin didn't deserve any of that <laughs> he really didn't you know what it's weird i remember and i, I know how franklin i know how i like said earlier that i didn't remember seeing this movie for the first time, but for some reason, I remembered Franklin as being like a hundred percent more unpleasant than he was. He's not at all. He's great. I fucking love this guy. He's Franklin the only is... one in this movie with a head on his shoulders. Franklin rules. Fra- Franklin is justifiably irritated with his idiot friends. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think he's just kind of right to be annoyed with these motherfuckers. No, yeah, I a lot of letterbox reviews of people being like, anyway, I. Fu- and like I fucking hate Franklin, and I'm like, what did he do Why? to you? What Franklin ever do to you? All he, all Franklin did was get dragged along on some fucking trip where he can't do anything because nobody cares enough to like actually help him out. No one like, cares about accessibility for Franklin, literally. True. And like, I don't know. He he's very audience surrogate. If I was being dragged around with these fucking idiots who want to hang out in like some abandoned old 
creepy ass house, I'd be like, no, we just, there's like some dude around here fucking bury, unburying bodies and propping them up in a cemetery. I'm not going to any creepy old shitty house. The way that the first thing that happens to Franklin is that he gets like pushed down a hill and like out of his wheelchair. Well, he's just innocently trying to take a piss. Like, come on, dude. He just needed to pee. He's even the one who, like, Sally's trying to go off on her own. He's like, no, I'll go with you. What are you talking about? Yeah, Sally, for some reason, is like, I'm just going to go by myself. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Our friends have literally all disappeared and it's dark. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? My favorite is the part where Sally goes, I'm not going to take the flashlight. Why not? Girl. Like, why wouldn't you? It's fucking, like, pitch black out there in the middle of goddamn Texas. Like... The, the moral of this movie really is just stay the fuck out of Texas. <laughs> I, I have been to Texas uh, recently. I went to Texas. Is it uh, like that? <laughs> I, I, w- I was in city areas, but there was a time where I was driving between uh, Houston and Dallas areas. And let me, excuse me, let me tell you. It was like that? It was like that. <laughs> it, I, I remember I saw a sign. I don't remember the exact wording, but it, it was like this like sign written in like paint in like all capital letters just on the side of the fucking road. And it says like demo rats beware. Trump is king or like some shit. Like that. <laughs> oh my God. I, I don't think it was that extreme, but it definitely said demo rats. It was like Trump will be elected again. And I, I saw that rats. on the side of the road and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm making sure we don't pick up any hitchhikers. <laughs> I love that this movie, like, I think the only one of, like, you were talking about the things that date this movie. There is one thing that dates this movie, and it's that, like, no one picks up hitchhikers in 2022. Uh, Yeah. No, especially no one picks up hitchhikers that look like that. Yeah, Nubbins is, um... so scary. Nubbins is, okay, Nubbins is fucking terrifying. Nubbins is my favorite character in the movie. so scary. Uh, That performance is, like, it's incredible that he just becomes this, like, unhinged fucking weirdo. Can I just say, I really appreciate his grind set in that he, like, takes Franklin's picture and immediately is like, now you have to pay me for it. Sigma grind That's set, true. man. That's Sigma true, yeah. If this, if this came out in a fucking... If this came out today, you'd be asking for, like, I don't know, crypto or some shit. <laughs> Make an NFT oh of Franklin. Oh my god! <laughs> I... I hate that. But yeah, that's hate so everything about to think that. About. <laughs> no, but like, like, real talk, like, he is fucking scary as hell. The whole, like, scene of him in the van with the other character, with the rest of the cast, is, like, so intense. It's just really, like, uh, what's the note I made? Hold on. The tension of being trapped somewhere so enclosed with someone, like, this unstable is so apparent. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote that it takes you to this place between normal and bizarre. Mm. Uh, you've got that music playing in the background, which is just like this average, like drinking coffee, mm-hmm. you know, shit going on, and they keep it playing throughout the entire part. Even when he's slashing up and the music ramps up, uh, it just goes from almost normal to insane uh this whole movie handles escalation incredibly yeah and a similar thing happens later on um when sally escapes to the uh gas station where drayton is this the same sort of thing with that like 70s music playing in the background and like never never really escalating so it almost feels like normal and then you know you find out drayton's in 
in league with the rest of his family and you're like oh fuck I, I caught the line. I feel like I've caught this before, but I, I didn't remember it. I, I caught the line as they're driving away. This is the last hitchhiker I ever pick up. <laughs> and that's yeah, why really? hitchhiking ended. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hitchhiking that was the ended beginning because, of the end. Because Texas Chainsaw happened. Yeah, though, I think we should talk Drayton because he's also a great performance. Oh, oh for my sure. god, uh, Jim Sido is so scary. He is terrifying. Am I, am I wrong in saying that when he first shows up, when you first meet him and see him, up until the, the reveal, he's believably a kindly old oh, yeah. guy on the side 100%, of the road? Oh, yeah. 100%. believable. And uh, he makes that switch so, like, seamlessly. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. And that slow realization that you have with Sally that, oh, fuck, this guy is yeah. gonna... This guy's not so great. Oh, that reveal is incredible. Yeah, she's just looking at the meat and the mm. music is... Mm, yeah. The, like, the the best thing to me about Jim Sido's performance in this film is that there isn't really a difference in the way that he is playing the role when he is, like, nice gas station guy versus when he is scary murderer guy. Mm-hmm. He's still, like, reading his lines the same way. He's still acting the same way. I feel like a lot of twist villain performances fall into the same trap of like making your performance when you're trying to be the nice version of the character very different from the way that you play it when you're revealed to be the villain. Jim Sido is playing the same character the entire time. The only difference is just what the audience knows about him. Mm. Mm -hmm. Which I think makes him so much scarier because he is still playing nice old man yeah he absolutely is he 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 still sounds like this like kindly almost southern gentleman kind of guy you know like uh, southern hospitality kind of dude i Mm -hmm. mean you know and uh, he's just great i I really all of the sawyers are performed incredibly oh for sure Uh, okay let's let's have a chat what okay. is Drayton's relationship to Bubba and Nubbins, and I guess also Chop Top, if we're going with the sequels? Older brother, right? Is it? That though? was my understanding. I th- I figured he was either older brother or slash and father. Yeah, ah. is, is he the dad? Is he an uncle? Is he a? Is he the older brother? I the movie never tells you. First of all. <laughs> My, yeah, the movie doesn't really tell you much about the Sawyers, but my personal uh, take Head on cannon. it is that he is headcanon. Yeah, is is <laughs> fine. <laughs> is is that he is? Call it uh, what it is, Jace. It, it's true. It's true. Uh, but that he is both their older brother and their father. Yeah, Let, let's, that... let's let's all sit with that for a second. Because <laughs> I was like, I was doing some like reading, and apparently there's a comic where he is their uncle, mm-hmm. and like his they they are his sister's children, and he is taking care of them after she passed away. Of course, because it's Texas Chainsaw, he is also later revealed to be their father. Also, yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that to me seems also like the most plausible. Thing. Say it with me, everybody. Perversion of the nuclear family. Yeah. No. Let's actually oh, yeah. have a conversation about that, too. Like, there are no oh. women in the Sawyer family, except for dead grandma. Yep. No, yeah, Leatherface serves the role of the mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Come the time for that uh, 
dynamic to form. Yes. I, I did notice, uh, similar to what we were talking right now, Drayton, um, the way he refers to Leatherface and Nubbins, you know, he says, get your brother out there, you know, like, as mm-hmm. though he's disconnected from that idea of, of brotherliness with them. Mm-hmm. That makes uh, it. That, that, yeah. Yeah. Do we uh, ever obviously get... it's just set him up as the patriarch of the whole uh, family dynamic there. I've never seen Texas Chainsaw 2. Do we get any sort of confirmation of their relationship there, or is it just still... I think it's still the same thing. <laughs> still about, about as vague. Okay. Know? Yeah, the only new thing that we get from that movie is that Drayton Sawyer is like, <laughs> he's in a chili cookout contest in town. Yeah, he's beloved which, by all. And like everyone in town weird. loves him, which I rules. love this for him. <laughs> Let's just segue for just a second, mm-hmm. just a second, and say Texas Chainsaw 2 is insane and absolutely worth your time. It and Psycho 2 are like my, like, I will go down with saying that they are just as good as the originals. Oh, not The oh, Conjuring yeah. 2? Okay, I'm that's joking. different. I know, I know. I, 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 I would put Texas Chainsaw 2 somewhere below the first, but not by, like, super far. Uh, Chop Top, it, though, man. I mean, Shop Top is just fucking great. Like, we can't... Even... I, I initially disliked Texas Chainsaw 2. Yeah, actually, this is the first time hearing of you enjoying it. Oh, is it? I think so. But we... Yeah. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre does not come up in our, our everyday conversations. That's true. It yeah. should, though. I, I initially disliked 2 because I didn't know what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know how vastly different the movie would be. Yeah, you need to mentally uh, prep yourself for it beforehand. You need to go into Texas Chainsaw 2 knowing that it's going to be nothing like the original. Much like Psycho 2. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it over uh, a couple months afterwards. I was like, okay, I'll give it another chance. I hear people you know, raving about it, talking about it. Like, I don't remember liking it. Gave it a chance. Once, As soon as I was aware what was going on with that movie... Loved it. It rolls. Uh, immediate, immediately bought it on DVD. It rolls. Uh, it's it's fantastic. It's a great movie. Uh, but but back to the the film at hand. Mm-hmm. It 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 is funny to me that like so Leatherface is quite sort of famously based on Ed Gein, mm-hmm. and the thing that cracks me up about that is the fact that Ed Gein, like if you ask anybody what they know about Ed Gein, a lot of people will say you know. Uh, he skinned people and was trying to make stuff out of the skin. And then mm. the next thing that most people will probably say is he was a crossdresser. This is not mm. true. <laughs> oh, it's not? Ed, oh Gein, was, he, Ed Gein was never... Like, th- that was something that was stated by a newspaper in, like, like when he was first arrested because ah. they found some, like, women's clothes, but then it turned out that they were his mother's clothes. Like, he never oh wore God. them. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's fucking hilarious. There's zero there are, evidence like, that Ed Gein ever, like, cross-dressed or, like, wore women's clothing or was into any kind of, like, gender non-conformity anything. Like, and it, that's it, fucking it's hysterical. so funny because, like, every single fictional serial killer yeah. that is based off of Ed Gein is, like, like they do, like, some weird gender stuff. He never did, he never did he that. Ne- he never did. You have two, like, well-known uh, fictional serial killers in culture, Buffalo Bill, Leatherface, that do the cross-dressing kind of thing, based on Ed Gein. Norman Bates, too. Norman Bates, three! And oh he just God. never fucking did that. <laughs> <laughs> he never did it! Like, oh my God. <laughs> Thank you very much to Lindsay Ellis's video about um, 
trans misogyny in the media uh, for illuminating this fact for me because it is endlessly fucking funny. <laughs> that is that is fucking hysterical. That I'm pop going to culture share that at large just people. latched onto that as one of the two things about Ed Gein that everybody knows, and it just just not true. <laughs> it's just fake. God, it's funny, but it's also just so fucked up. Just, I mean, oh, yeah, oh, sure is, obviously, but, uh. it says a lot about the way that. Um, the world saw mm. people who were gender non-conforming, trans people, etc. That one of the first things that a true crime tabloid thought to say to slander a recently caught serial killer was that he wore women's clothing. Just to add on to the level of perversion that the public saw around Ed Gein when this was just patently not true at all, and which is extremely sad. But it it also makes me think about. Leatherface as sort of the being made to be the woman of the family. Yeah, Leatherface, you know, he he is put up with like Michael Myers and like Jason and shit. And it's like Leatherface is kind of innocent. He he's a sweet baby boy who can't read. This is he okay. Kind of is. <laughs> this is my he, fucking Leatherface hot take. Is that like I yeah. feel like if you took Leatherface and like removed his family from the equation you could make him into like a normal functioning member of society you could I fix completely him agree. you could, I, fix, I, could I, fix him always ha- i could fucking I've actually, fix him i've actually always had this take as well mm. uh i, I, could I think leatherface i think leatherface is fundamentally just a victim of being part of this fucked up family I yeah, think if sure. you found him a good therapist who was willing to listen and encourage him to cut off his toxic family, he could be a wonderful person and he would be my friend. He would be your best friend <laughs> He would in be real my life. friend and he would give great hugs. He would be your son. He does give great hugs in the movie. Um, he does. <laughs> they just don't end well. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, oh, poor Pam. Oh, mm. R.I.P. Pam. R.I.P. Pam. Man, can we talk about her death? Because oh, it's so. I love Dead by Daylight, you guys. Fuck yeah, dude. It's so upsetting because all the, the best horror movie deaths to me are the ones that make you go, "Fuck, I would not want to be that person right now." Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And this is something that this movie does a lot, and I love, love, love when horror movies do this: is leaving so much to the imagination. And I think that is partially why i think a lot of people must think that this is like a super bloody gory movie because their mind just fills in the blanks that the visuals are leaving them oh it's so good oh absolutely um this fucking movie is just insane with its imagery uh props in this movie are so good Oh my the god, all of that you see that meat hook behind her and he lifts her up, you're like, fuck, he is not about to do that. And he fucking does. Mm. It's so oh, it's so hard to watch. Something about the way that and I think um Marilyn Burns does the same thing where like their screams are so real sounding. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yes, I, I noted that. I um, I have a note here that literally just says, I really hope Marilyn Burns' vocal cords made a full recovery from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I the, will the say kills in that, general in this movie yeah. are just jarring and 
perfect. There are rather few of them, uh, comparatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like from the first one, obviously the hammer kill iconic. So uh, visceral. All of visceral. them. Visceral. The guy's on the ground. He's shaking. His leg is like. It's it's hard to watch. It's a movie that's still hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's speaking of things I, being hard to watch. I am going to just put out into the universe. I feel like anyone who has listened to more than one episode of this podcast knows my thing with eyes. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Um. So the dinner scene. Uh. I was kind of. I. I still have not watched the dinner scene straight through. I. I will fully admit that. Um. <laughs> The close-ups of the eyes gross me out more than literally anything else on the planet. I can watch anything fine, but the second that anything happens to someone's eyes in a movie, no thank you. God, I mean, like, who who could blame you for not watching the dinner scene all the way through, it's, though? Just, the close-ups <laughs> that, on her eyes uh, are so disgusting. Yeah. Like, just the way that you can see every fucking vein in her eyeball when she's Ugh. just looking around. Ugh. Hate, hate to see it. Hate to see it. Mm, yeah, everything about that scene is just like it's it's still hard to watch. And that's, like that's I, all I, I used I have to the say word nightmarish earlier to describe, but the the dinner scene is so nightmarish because it's mm. just like you're strapped to a chair and these people who are about to kill you are just laughing and laughing at you. Oh. Mm. Yeah, the last, like, half hour of this movie is so relentlessly harrowing that you really get a sense of, like, what it would be like to be in this situation and to just be in this never-ending, like, nightmare. Ugh. Can we talk about Sally for a second? Because I, d- I did want to touch upon uh, the the remake that is happening. Um, uh. I think it's very weird that they're trying to Laurie Strode her. Yeah. Because, oh, it's very strange. Like, I don't like it. Like, I don't like it either because, like, the the very last shot of the, or not the last shot, but the last time we see Sally in this movie, she is like fully insane. Like, no mm. amount of therapy is going to help this bitch. Like, yes. she is traumatized, like beyond anything, and trying to make that into like a badass survival moment feels weird. It is very weird. Uh, I have very low expectations of the remake. Yeah, same. Um, for a number of reasons, but no, I, I think making that character into a Laurie Strode clone uh, is ill-advised. Like, it uh, worked for Laurie because her situation was kind of different and handled oh, yeah. differently. Like, Halloween is a very different movie than Texas Chainsaw Massacre, despite the fact that there are obvious influences and they sort of share the same genre. It's handled differently. And so it makes sense for Laurie to become the character that we see in Halloween 2018. But, like, like Sally Hardesty is probably, like in a mental health care facility. She's a different character. When when we see at the end of Halloween, Laurie's already fighting back yeah. in that movie, in the first movie. Sally doesn't really, like she she runs for sure. Mm-hmm. Like she gets out of there, but it's not the same vibe. It doesn't Yeah, no, she's not feel as natural. She's not fighting. She's just like no. an animal. She's like a rabbit being chased by dogs. Like ugh. And I love her. Oh, I love her. Oh, no. she's great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Sally um, is wonderful. But, like, it she, just you, feels... You can't girlbossify that. 
You can't. Yeah, she's not a girl boss. Lori is a girl boss, though. Mm-hmm. Even the first movie, yeah. Yeah, basically. like Lori, Nancy in Nightmare Three. That makes sense. Yes. Sydney, girl um, boss. Like, oh god, Nancy makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah she Nancy beats the <laughs> shit out of Freddy Krueger in the first movie. It's fucking funny. And then, of course, you know, Sydney Prescott. Queen oh, of the see. final girl go- girl bosses. Uh, we're seeing Scream tonight. God, I fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah, um, I did want to take it back. Yeah, uh, please to the dinner scene because mm. I had watched the commentary. Mm. Oh, um, interesting. I didn't know that there was a commentary. Uh, there is on my DVD. Oh, oh I watched. No. I, I watched this on uh, our favorite streaming service here on the Final Girl Files, Tubi. Tubi. Tubi, where we discovered such masterpieces as Baby Oopsie. Yes. Um, (laughs) Tubi, please sponsor us. (laughs) Please sponsor these people, Tubi. Um, We're your biggest fans. We really are. uh, But yeah, uh, in the dinner scene, um, Toby Hooper and like all of the actors have noted that the dinner scene was fucking miserable to shoot. The whole movie was miserable to shoot. Mm But but the dinner scene in particular, in a movie that was miserable to shoot, the dinner scene in particular was a fucking hot, emotional mess of a scene. And it really comes through in the acting. Yeah. Can I just, like, I want to build on this and say that last shot of Sally, the actress has noted in the past that they didn't get it on the first like time they shot it so they had to bring her back to shoot it again and like i think she just channeled all of her like emotion regarding that (laughs) into her performance and boy does it show this again (laughs) boy does it show oh it does no i mean the acting in this is incredible i want to i also want to bring it to um because we mentioned the other sawyers i wanted to bring up gunner hansen yes oh my god Uh, Love is, Gunnar Hansen. He's incredible. He's, he's, he obviously doesn't say a word, mm. but his physical acting and uh, he's just incredible. Oh, he makes so good. Some noises. He does do some noises. Some little pig squeals. Yeah, which is so sad. Oh, I was just gonna say I always admire physical acting, especially like with the mask over his face, so you can't really see his expression. Like you can catch glimpses of it because the holes in it are big enough for that, but to really convey like a whole character through basically just your body language is mm-hmm. fucking incredible. Like not, there are not a lot of actors who can pull that off. I think I would also oh, like yeah. to say the shot where you get to see his face a little bit through the mask when he, I, is, he's looking yes. up at the chickens. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, if there so was good. any, single moment of this movie that lend that lended any credence to my Leatherface is actually fine theory it is that single shot of him looking up at the chickens with just like I have never seen more potent like wistfulness mm-hmm. I'm completely on board with you and I always have been that Leatherface is fine actually yeah Leatherface like has no internal drive to kill he is not Michael no, Myers he's... like he believes he's defending his family. His his family tells him to do some stuff that he doesn't have a good time doing, and he doesn't have the, like, perspective to really right. understand how wrong what he's doing is because this is all he's ever known. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he's been raised in an atmosphere where this is just 
life. Like, this is just what happens. Yeah. He has no idea that this could even be wrong. It is unpleasant for him. He doesn't enjoy it. But he sees it as a necessary thing that his family bullies him into doing. Yeah, absolutely. I think... uh... I, I always do just find it weird when Leatherface is put, like, on the level with, like, Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, because he really is, dig deep, he is really pretty sympathetic. Mm. I just, I just think he's fine, and that I should give him a hug. <laughs> <laughs> just be careful. He's just a boy. <laughs> just be careful. <laughs> Because <laughs> he wouldn't kill me because I would be fine and I would be safe with of course, him. Yeah. <laughs> I be would. safe in his arms. I would. <laughs> it's, 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 it's truly like when you see pictures of bears. Yes. And you're like, I want to hug a bear so bad, but bears in real life are like, like they will kill you. But yeah, Gunnar Hansen's so fucking good. He's fantastic. R.I.P. to a king. Like him and Marilyn Burns both. R.I.P. to a king yeah. and a queen. Like, truly. Marilyn Burns, her fucking throat died for our sins, man. <laughs> Truly, on the fucking cross. Mm-hmm. I would also like to, because we're talking about how brutal the shoot was. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this picture that is one of my favorite images of all time, which is just a photo of Gunnar Hansen, like, face down laying on the ground while shooting this movie in full Leatherface regalia, being oh shouted God. at by Toby Hooper. Can you send this to me? <laughs> and like every once in a while, oh god, I forgot his name. The guy who played um Nubbins, Edwin Neal. Edwin Neal will post it on his Instagram once in a blue moon and because people will be like, "Can you post the picture of Gunner on the ground?" Because the backstory for the image, which is one of my favorite images of all time, is that the shoot was so fucking brutal that someone on the crew was like I'm just going to bring a bunch of weed brownies on on set and just fucking like just so that we can have one day where we're like not in like hell on earth. (laughs) We can have a little fun on set. (laughs) This is the most 70s story I've ever heard in my life. And Gunnar Hansen had not been informed that someone (gasps) was bringing weed brownies. So he just saw a plate of brownies on the craft services table and thought, brownies! (laughs) I'm gonna have like five of these. (laughs) (laughs) So they're trying to shoot a scene and Gunnar Hansen stoned out of his fucking mind like like seeing god himself laying on the ground and toby hooper is like i do not care that you ate more weed than any human should ever ingest in their life we have a limited number of days to shoot this movie and you need to get up and shoot so like there are portions of this movie in which Gunnar hansen is most definitely high as balls i i was just gonna say i need to know what scene they were shooting i need to know what um, based on based on the costume, I'm like looking at the picture now. Based mm. on the costume, I think it's the ending. Oh, because he's my got God. like the little fancy little fancy dinner oh, outfit, yeah. and they're outside. So I would assume it's like the end of the movie. Oh, oh God! God. Um, please, please, if there is a God in this world, the entire chainsaw dance sequence at the end will have been filmed when Gunnar Kansen was high as a fucking kite. Please. <laughs> I was just going to say that. It's such a good picture. (laughs) Oh, man. Incredible. 
I just love it. Like, that's one of the funniest things. And I think that also just really speaks to how how insane the shooting of this movie was. That, like, mm-hmm. your lead actor being essentially, like, zonked out of his mind is not enough to, like, halt shooting for a little while. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean... Mm-hmm. Just hearing the story about how the stories, I should say, about how like difficult and miserable and upsetting it was on set, it just feels right for this movie, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like you can kind of, like once you hear those stories, like if you're some like a first time horror fan or someone who's just hearing them and you've seen this movie, like something clicks into place and you're like, oh, this makes so much sense. God, honestly, like this is one of those movies where you watch it and you're like, thank God this turned out good. Hmm. Mm. It's very uh, saw esque in that uh, regard. I think there is there has to be like a world out there where this just fell apart and like fell in on itself and is just completely unknown. Today. I mean, like how many movies? I mean, like I'm the type of person who loves these kinds of movies. So, like, how many like weird ass like backwoods exploitation '70s horror movies are there? Many. Where yeah, they probably had equally hellish shooting. But the movies oh, yeah. are just bad. That is the vast majority. And we don't and talk it... about them. You know, like I, I mean, it 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 stands as a uh fuck, what's the word I'm looking for? Hang on. A stands as testament to Toby Hooper's like talent as a director and, you know, the the talents of the, obviously the actors and the people all the people working on this, that this movie came together and was the influence that it was on the horror genre. Because, you know, from this, we just get the whole slasher genre. Like, this was one of the first influential slasher movies out there, as far as I'm, as far as I know. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, slashers are a a branch of horror that I'm not super, like, uh, educated on. But as far as I know... Yeah, this and Black Christmas, mm-hmm. I would say, mm. defined the slasher genre going forward. I think Black Christmas came out the following year. I think that was 75. Mm. Mm. So, like, those two are, like, the two biggies. And then, of course, 79, we get Halloween. Halloween. Of course. Um, which codified everything that Black Christmas and Texas Chainsaw had, like, kind of put into place. Because, like, Texas Chainsaw doesn't really follow the slasher formula that like regimently in the same right. way that something like Halloween does where you watch Halloween and you're like okay this is where all the tropes came from yeah right but with yes. Texas Chainsaw other than like just a group of young people being picked off by a masked killer there's not a whole lot of those like really specific slasher tropes right this was sort of the the groundwork that would uh, those tropes would be built upon yeah like, again, like I said, there is a big difference between Sally Hardesty and Laurie Strode in terms of, like, final girl tropes. Mm. Sally definitely straddles a weird line in terms of, like, being... sort. She's partially the, like, tormented victim of, like, the older horror movies. And she's mm-hmm. also got one foot in the f- final girl world. Mm. She's a strange character. Yeah, she is sort of the... Not the blueprint quite but sort of you can see where like like i just said with the rest of the movie you can see where the final girl tropes were built up from her and from uh the cast of black christmas which i still need to watch all the way through i tried to watch it this year but it was like super late on christmas eve and i fucking zonked out like 
halfway through. Oh God, yeah, that movie is very good as well. Yeah, like I was enjoying. Like, I just like I was just about to start talking about Black Christmas, but then I was like, oh, I'm on a podcast. I can't just fucking ramble about nothing. Maybe we'll have you back for Black Christmas. <laughs> December, I would love that. Mm. Um, speaking of Sally, I just want to give major props to Marilyn Burns for doing this entire movie, including a lot of running, uh, without a bra on. Yeah, queen. Queen. <laughs> like, her throat and her boobs both went through a lot during the filming of this movie. They suffered for us. For us! For our sins! Yeah, big shout out. Big fucking shout out. Like, Thank like you, running without a bra on is not easy. <laughs> no. I'll take your word for that it. Hurts. <laughs> Sometimes it hurts. And listen, I am not I am not I am not gifted in the chess department, but it's still uh I I yeah. It's still a fucking struggle. Having to just like uh and then falling face down mm. out of that window. I would also like to say that like I do happen to know that the actress who played Pam was really really grateful that she got to wear the costume that she did because it was so hot. Yeah, I can oh, imagine. Yeah. Uh, because everyone else was in sort of these like very restrictive outfits, and Marilyn Burns had those like tight pants on. Oh, um, and she during- just got that like open backed shirt and short shorts, and she was like, "I like I was great <laughs> <laughs> during in summer in Texas." Oh Christ! I went to Texas in like spring, and it felt like hell. It, it was a nightmare. <laughs> I think they literally shot this movie summer. in like August. Like, oh god, oh. not even like summer, but like the worst yeah. summer. Month. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking horrible. So, like, yeah, shout out to Pam, who is the only person who is dressed for Texas summer. Everyone else in like fucking long sleeve button. I mean, it's because she read her star chart and she knew. She knew. True. She knows things that the rest of us don't know. Uh, one thing I did want to bring up that I just really stuck with me on this viewing. Mm-hmm. The fucking music in this movie. Ugh. Is, Please go on. It's I'm sorry if if people like this this movie about to bring up, but this is what Sinister wanted to be. You're so right. You're so uh, correct. Yes. I've never seen Sinister, music- so can you like elaborate cuz I don't know anything about Sinister has a really weird soundtrack that's like a lot of like ambient noise and like sounds and i've heard people praising it and i just i don't i don't care for it tm taylor just picture like the hannibal soundtrack but really bad oh no (laughs) but but this movie the music is perfect Mm. because it's unsettling it's otherworldly while also feeling so real, if like that gritty. makes sense. Gritty, yeah. It's... Uh, yeah, it everything, sets the everything, tone. Everything in this movie just combines to make, like, the single most unpleasant experience possible. It's fucking great. Like, even if, like, you don't like this movie, which, like, God, I can't imagine. Well, I mean, I can't imagine, like, someone who <laughs> isn't into horror not liking uh, this Jimmy, movie. I'll tell you, I found a couple. <laughs> But, like, if you're a horror person, like, and you don't like this movie, you have to at least appreciate everything going into it that makes it, like, what it is. You know? In my opinion, this is one of those movies that you can just kind of call perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't really find anything, like, major with it that I'd be like, that's a problem with the movie. No, it's... 
I mean, sure, there's like a threadbare plot, but who cares? Like, I don't it think the plot is purposes. The plot isn't what this movie is concerned with. You don't need yeah. a plot. Exactly. It, it, having this very basic plot, it works exactly for what it's what it's trying to do. It's vibes it only cinema. If it had more of a plot, it would have worked worse. Exactly. Yeah. I will also say that, like, I mean, I know that we're kind of reaching a <laughs> our, our general threshold uh, for discussion, but I would like to talk a little bit about the um, the sort of vegetarianism subtext of this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's so interesting to me. Toby Hooper went fucking vegan after this. Yep. <laughs> wow, what a shock. Him. What a shock. I don't shock. blame him. No, I mean, one of the things I noticed on that front, uh, this viewing, was... In the early goings, uh, I think either just before or during the scene with Nubbins in the in the van, mm-hmm. uh, they're passing by the slaughterhouse. They're talking about it, and they show these just shots of those fucking cows suffering, miserable. And they're just sh- they're shot exactly how the horror shots later in the movie would be. Yep, and that's perfect. Oh, another. It's perfect. Another thing I noticed sort of in that vein is that, like, you know, Nubbins shows up in the car and the first thing he does is start, like, passing around pictures of dead cows. And then later he takes Franklin's picture. And I think that's a Mm. that's a nice little bit of of foreshadowing when you know what to what you're looking for. Like, it's hmm. just so interesting to me. Also, the bit where they're talking about where Franklin is like talking about like, oh, this is how they kill. This is how they kill cows in the slaughterhouse. And Pam is like, that's so disgusting. Like, can you stop talking about that? And like, I forget if it's Pam who says this or somebody else, but she says like, uh, I, I no, actually, I think it's Sally who says like, I like to eat meat. Please don't talk about this. Hmm. So it's it's this idea of like yeah yeah like if if you enjoy eating meat it's hard to think about what happens to the cows yeah. and as long yep. as you're able to like comfortably turn your head away and not think about the brutality of the meat industry you can continue mm-hmm. to consume meat um and then immediately cut to later on in the movie where the whole idea of this movie is that human beings are being treated exactly the way that cows in slaughterhouses are being treated up to and including being knocked out with that hammer and put on meat hooks and all this other shit and it really makes you empathize with cows yeah yes (laughs) yes it does sure fucking does because you're Uh, like oh that sucks to watch that happen to people. Yeah. The, Must the really suck for cows. <laughs> the Sawyers just like generally do a lot of things that while taken to a certain extreme are not that different from just things regular people do. Yeah. Like you see Nubbins, it's implied as sort of decorated the house with all these fucked up bones and skins and all that. And, a lot of human history as humans just doing that with animals. It's not that different, mm. you know? Uh, and yeah, I obviously mean, people... the stuff with the family mm. and all that kind of thing. Just these regular general, these regular things that are just taken to these extremes that show you the absurdities and even the brutalities of it. It really it's is pretty, just yeah. like the, the Sawyers are really just like, American enterprising capitalism, like Sigma grind set shit taken (laughs) to its horrific logical extremes. Like they are just like really enterprising business owners. 
You get a lot of that in two, especially because obviously it was more the eighties than the seventies. This is such a seventies movie, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Oh, it fully <laughs> in, is in, in in its theming and all that sort of stuff. But you get a lot more of that uh, capitalist kind of stuff in the second one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gee, I, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why the one made in the eighties. What was going on in the eighties? Hmm, that made oh, people wanna. Not much, you know. Nothing bad. Uh, nothing bad. <laughs> <laughs> nothing bad at all. America was great uh, in the 80s, guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. No problems. Nothing. Nothing wrong ever happened. Have you guys heard days. Take On Me? Like, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Nothing bad could happen when that song is a number one hit, you know? Truly. It's true. You have a good point. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw 2. Toby Hooper pointed out that he did put humor in this movie, the first one. Uh, there is a humorous element. But he pointed out that a lot of people either missed it or couldn't really make it out in the midst of all the everything else. Horror. Uh, and two is fucking funny. Though. It is hilarious. Two is hysterical. Two goes hard on the comedy, and I think it it works mm. uh, really well. But it, it's like the thing about this movie is just like. It is so brutal that any comedic touches, like I've heard that quote from Toby Hooper and I was looking for comedy when I watched this movie, could not find any. <laughs> yeah. I found I found one instance that I thought was was fairly comedic uh, this watch. Oh, do tell. Uh it was shockingly, okay, hear me out. <laughs> okay. Hear me hear It was at the very end of the dinner scene. With Grandpa Sawyer, and they have this like folksy oh, like, discussion. Oh no! Okay, yeah, that's funny. He that was is the funny. best. He was the best at cooking and killing, and, and like that was funny. Like that kind of like aw shucks thing in the middle of this <laughs> nightmare. Is Honestly, the whole scene with Grandpa is kind of funny in like a really absurd, fucked yeah. up way. Firmly yeah, it, grasp it. it. Firmly it, grasp it's, it. The, the comedy in this movie is like. The darkest kind of comedy. Yeah, pitch fucking black. I I would also like to say, like, JC, you were saying at the beginning of the episode about, like, the idea of this movie having kind of a subtle supernatural element. Uh, Grandpa. Yes. mm, Yep. Like, there's definitely some kind of supernatural something going on with him. Yeah. Vampire yeah. question mark? Yeah, Vampire's like, real? Drinks blood and he is absurdly long lived. Vampires are real in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre universe. You all heard it here. Sucking, sucking on a blood clot like I'm those Feratu. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Grandpa's so gross. Oh, yeah. He's, he's so fucking nasty. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wasn't the actor in all that under all that makeup? Wasn't he like a really young guy? He's like nineteen, <gasps> I think. Yeah, he was like a nineteen. Stop! I love it. <laughs> Which is even how, funnier uh, when you get to like um, Texas Chainsaw 3D, where they like brought that actor back to play Grandpa. Yes, yeah. And in like, like, how, um, thirteen. The fucking apt actor Ian McDermott for Palpatine. Oh my god! He was like, like twenty eight or something. In yeah. Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Oh, God bless this insane-ass movie. Truly. Horror would be so different if we had never gotten the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Two words, by the way. Yes. Two words, yeah. Two words. But only for the first one. A lot of people forget that, but... Does anyone else have any discussion points? I feel like I'm a teacher. I'm a film teacher at, like, the front of the classroom. (laughs) 
I honestly think I've said everything that I really wanted to say. Or I mostly just I wanted to, to tell the brownie story, so I'm. <laughs> of course, yeah. So, so you're so you're satisfied. Yeah. Why does that story have the exact same energy as Meeks coming on here and saying that Suspiria was based on a true story? Oh my god! <laughs> That's honestly the most shocked I've ever been recording this podcast. Was when and she Meeks- waited till the end! She waited till the end to drop that fucking bomb on us! Just Meeks casually like, oh yeah, this happened to my buddy Eric. Like, <laughs> So I do a segment on this podcast called Live Laugh Letterboxd, where I read funny Letterboxd reviews and um, found some found some very good ones. A lot of people, though... A lot of a lot of imbeciles doing serious film analysis. How dare they? Yeah, How who, dare who they? Who would ever do that? <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, so our first review comes from Wes, who says, "A list of things I'm never fucking going anywhere near ever again." Number one, gas stations. Number two, chickens. Number three. Pigs. Number four, pickup trucks. Number five, mm. the entire state of Texas. Again, the moral of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is stay the fuck out of Texas. Stay the fuck out of Texas. <laughs> uh, Ethan Colburn says, you may see it as a story of teenagers being dismembered by a chainsaw killer, but I see it as a like-minded family trying to give their ailing grandfather one last shot to do the thing he loves best. True. Absolutely. It, it's it's actually a heartwarming story. It is. Really. It's it's a heartwarming Truly. family tale. The kids will love it. <laughs> yeah, 13-year-old Taylor loved it. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, my dad, um, this is a story that he'll probably tell when we inevitably have him on the podcast, but like his uncle once took him to see Phantasm because he thought it was Fantasia, and then they didn't leave. <gasps> they just watched the whole movie no i wish that happened to me <laughs> i think I my dad was like Phantasm. seven <laughs> <laughs> so like whatever year phantasm came out um my dad was like a little kid and his uncle jack um took him 79 yeah be- yeah so yeah my dad was 10 years old then so, God, ten year old, my ten year old father was taken to see Phantasm by an uncle who thought that it was the movie Fantasia, and then they just <laughs> didn't leave. They just stayed the whole time because they bought their damn tickets, and you know they spent the money. Just watch yeah, the it'd film. be like that. So yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm like this. If you guys were wondering, that explains you gotta have so him much. On for Phantasm, then. Uh, Sarah Clement says, Sally was really out here sprinting without a bra on, and then she jumped out the window and fell flat on her unpadded titties. Wonder Woman couldn't do it. We have this discussion. Absolutely correct. Ashley says, the scariest thing about this is the concept of having to run for your life while braless four stars. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely true. Amaya says, hardest vibe check ever, four stars. (laughs) 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 I saw that review, and all I could think of was Grandpa lifting the the hammer up, going vibe check, slamming it this, down. Okay, this movie is what Christian was feeling. Christian Midsummer was feeling when that old man clapped in his face. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he was feeling. This whole movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, fun fact: uh, some of the shots that hammer was a real hammer. Ooh, some, not all. 
Um, not the ones when it falls on her head, but I mean, I would hope right. not. <laughs> I I would hope, yeah. Uh, but the shots when it does not fall on her head, it's probably a real hammer. And Marilyn Burns was saying that she she was terrified that they were gonna hit her. <laughs> <laughs> But it didn't. But she was very afraid they were going to. So, again, some of that terror was partially kind of real. Oh, dear. This poor cast. They suffered for us. Thank you. Thank all of you. Let's just give give a fucking thanks to everyone involved with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Josiah Morgan says, Consistently defeats me until I have nothing left to say. Cinema that mugs you. Five stars. (laughs) True. I completely agree. (laughs) <laughs> this movie it, corners you in a exactly. dark alley and holds a knife to your throat like exactly. you your lunch money we need more cinema that mugs you i agree we had hereditary Hereditary was cinema that mugs you, you cinema know? that waterboards you we will do a hereditary one episode one day when i feel emotionally ready to watch hereditary again yeah <laughs> and finally ava with a, she had a little ava ava has a little hammer and sickle next to her name so i appreciate that love that um, Ava says he just has a little anxiety. Five stars. Just, yes, so right. Literally, just put Le- Leatherface on some Lexapro and he'll be fine. The thing about Leatherface is that he is neurodivergent and a minor. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. He's literally <laughs> neurodivergent and a, and a minor. He's not responsible for any of this. He didn't do anything wrong. If you leave this podcast with no other, like, takeaways, just understand, Leatherface didn't do a damn thing. He is a sweet baby boy who can't read. He can't read! And he gives great hugs. And he gives yes. great hugs! <laughs> okay, so, star ratings, everybody. Oh, five. Oh, wow, shocking, Jace. Shocking. I know. Five. Uh, it's my favorite movie. <laughs> five. I gave like, it... Yeah, five. Like, I objectively, I think five because, like, I can't think of anything about this movie that is, like, it, it feels weird to say bad because, like, the vibes of this movie are absolutely rancid, but they're rancid in a great way. So, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. Five. Five stars all around. It's a great movie. It's just. It's like, just a perfect movie. If you have listened to this entire podcast and you haven't watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, what are like watch it? What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, like it's a cornerstone of the genre for a reason. Next time, we will be continuing in this vein of fucked up family shit and even continuing in the vein of the vibes of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because we will be watching Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses. Literally one of my favorite movies ever made. I am so excited. <laughs> Such a good movie. Jace, the um, way that you feel about Texas Chainsaw, I feel like is the way I feel about House of a Thousand Corpses. I love House of a Thousand Corpses. It is. Uh, it, it's it's so criminal good. to me that, that they gave Rob Zombie the ability to reboot a horror movie and didn't hand him Texas Chainsaw. I know. Why did they give him Halloween? Just give him Texas Chainsaw and he'll make you, like, the best remake ever. So fucked up and evil. I love Rob Zombie and I love House of a Thousand Corpses. I love all three of the movies in that in the Firefly family series. I know that Three from Hell is somewhat controversial, but I think it's great. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's the weakest of the three, but that doesn't mean it's not good. It rules. Like, all three yeah, of them it's, rule. It's good. Um, 
House of a Thousand Corpses is such a different beast from the other two, though. Um, oh, it is. Yeah, House of a Thousand Corpses is my favorite of the three. And I I'm Devil's so Rejects excited is... to just just babble about how much I love it for an hour because it's the best. All right. Well, until then, you guys can follow us on Twitter at FGFPod, Instagram the same place. I believe now Spotify gives you the option to rate podcasts. So if you could give us five stars there or five stars on Apple podcast, whatever you do on whatever platform to let us know that you enjoyed our show. Uh, and we will see you in two weeks for house of a thousand corpses. Uh, Oh, uh, Jace, Jace is a hermit and I don't think he has anything to promote as far as social media goes, but if you'd like to do that, <laughs> I I'm very boomer pilled. I have a Twitter. It's at Jace dimension, but I don't post much. Uh, Yeah. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming on. We we I honestly can't imagine talking about this movie without you here. So Yeah, and, and might I just say, finally a male voice in horror podcast. Oh, oh finally. Finally. <laughs> it's, it's about time. It's about time we had a horror podcast with, with, with a man giving his opinion on movies. Absolutely. It's about time. Yeah, we're really happy to be taking this massive step forward in terms the, of representation. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Is, is Jace the first guy that we've had guest on the pod? Oh, fuck. I think he might be. Because <laughs> we've had what? Women. We've had Rhea, we had Elle, we had Autumn, right? Is there anybody else? You had Meeks. Meeks. Oh, and Meeks, yeah. That's it. I mean, we are having Jamie on, so... I'm <laughs> saying, like, I'm saying... Well, I'm glad you're finally first. taking the steps necessary. Yeah. Really. Again, <laughs> it, it feels... Uh, it's an honor to be taking this first step forward in terms yeah. of representation that the world really needs. Yeah, I guess that makes me the Tommy Jarvis of this final situation. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> can I be the kid from uh, Nightmare 2 instead? Yeah, Jesse, you can. I think? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I'll be him instead. I don't, I don't really want to be Tommy Jarvis. <laughs> Okay. Well, All right. Thank you. Thank you for um, adding your very important uh, dude opinions. Thank you to this final girl podcast. Thank you for being our 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 our, our Jesse from Nightmare Two. Thank you. Our very first final boy. Of course. <laughs> no, but really, thank you for coming on. Thank you for being here. Oh no! Thank you for having me on. Genuinely, uh, yeah. it was a very good time. Uh, and anytime you need to discuss uh, incredible films like Leprechaun, I, I will be here for you. Oh, thank God. Thank you. I'm just I thankful my introduction to your audience the worst wasn't one, though, So maybe we should wait until... It's not the worst. Um, oh, oh, it's no. not the worst Leprechaun, believe me. Uh, uh, it's not the worst Leprechaun we, film. It's such we, damning it with faint praise. <laughs> do, do, do we want to get into this conversation? No, no I think I need to end the podcast. <laughs> we will see you next time for House of a Thousand Corpses. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Goodbye.